Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hey, it's me, Melissa. Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by No More Guilt with Melissa Landry. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation meant for educational purposes. Look, we're dietitians, but we're not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're looking for the process, support, and focus you need to live life without food guilt, apply for a coaching program from today's sponsor, me. I'm currently enrolling clients into one-to-one programs, group programs, and I recently added a do-it-yourself format, the Ex-Dieter's Guide to No More Guilt. Apply for a program at melissalandrynutrition.com. I hope to meet you soon. We are set to talk about some nutrition. Is that how you say it in oh, Spanish? Uh, no, nutrition. No Thank you. <laughs> you do it better. I wasn't expecting that. You caught me off guard. I'm trying. You know, I, I minored in Spanish and have since forgotten it. So um, I try. This is really exciting to talk about today. Nutrition often gets lost in the shuffle in the anti-diet mm-hmm. movement because we're trying to heal from all the messages that felt restrictive and depriving. And so today we have Rachel Hartley, who is the author of Gentle Nutrition with us to talk through how to introduce nutrition with a little less guilt. Rachel, will you introduce yourself to our audience today? Yes. Hello. Thank you guys for having me. I'm happy to be here to chat. Yes, I am Rachel Hartley. I am a um, private practice dietitian, I guess, I feel like in Columbia, South Carolina today, but I live in Boston, but I just moved from Columbia. So I don't really know where I'm from right now. I get very confused every time people ask me that, but yep, I am in private practice where I work with clients on the whole sort of spectrum of everything from, um, you know, active eating disorders to really being, um, just having general health and wellness concerns and approaching that from a non-diet standpoint. And I wrote a book which I guess we'll talk about. Today. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Sidebar, wrote a book. <laughs> it was amazing to watch the response to your book, Rachel, because I think a lot of people were craving yeah. this information. Delina talks a lot about this on her page too, where like mm-hmm. there's sometimes a tiptoeing around nutrition. And I mean, what, what inspired you to write this book? Was it that there was a gap or, or was there some other reason? Uh, you know, I was sort of thinking about it. I, I never, I never really imagined myself writing a book and then this like opportunity kind of presented itself, but I had always said, like, if I write a book about intuitive eating, I'd really love to explore gentle nutrition within intuitive eating because there's just so much for very good reason. There is a lot of this tiptoeing around nutrition and sort of a, a cautiousness about um, getting into nutrition on, you know, Instagram and, you know, on, on our blogs for, again, very good reason. It's so hard to create content that is going to be applicable to a wide array of people. And that's especially true with something like nutrition that is so individual. But I, I think what sort of happens is because there's this, this gap where we don't talk about nutrition as much, it, it, 
does a couple of things. Like, you know, it makes it seem as if, um, I don't know, like you, it, it makes intuitive eating almost seem like this. Okay. Like once you pass the first like nine principles and like, bam, you've earned gentle nutrition. And now we're going to come out with our kale salad and our, you know, green smoothies. And it just, it's almost seem, like, I, I think it, makes gentle nutrition seem like something that it's, it's not actually. Yeah. Between that. And then just when we don't have, like we're dietitians, you know, we're experts in nutrition science. And so when we don't talk about food and and nutrition, it creates this gap and knowledge where diet culture can come in. Yeah. We did an episode about what the difference between like anti-diet and maybe a weight loss approach to nutrition would be. And that was one of the things that Maria, our guest talked about too, is like, when we don't talk about nutrition, mm-hmm. this information can creep in. And so yeah. there, there's such a thing as like avoidance to our own detriment here, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People like deserve that sort of information. And, you know, if we aren't creating it and talking about nutrition in, mm-hmm. in different, more positive, helpful ways, like they're going to get that nutrition, that information. Oh, yeah from elsewhere. And yeah, yeah, people deserve that, that, that support. (laughs) I was just talking with a client today who was saying like, you know, sometimes she goes, I used to like cauliflower before it was demonized. And now I'm like, should I hate cauliflower? Because there's this big message of like, you know, don't put cauliflower in certain foods. And that's an important message. I know Delina, you talk about all the time with the rice today. Today I did a post on this. But it gets confusing for people like, so wait, does that mean cauliflower is bad? And it's like, no, it just means that we can have our traditional and cultural foods. And so it's it's so confusing. Totally. It's important to understand, like we have 2,200 characters on an Instagram post. I cannot write every single thing that I want to say from my science background and, and, and make it like understandable. Like, I'm not just going to hit you with the gluconeogenesis and cows. Like, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? Right? Like, I don't understand what's happening here, but that's what we want to do. Right, right. <laughs> we want to hit them with the science, but yeah. you're, you're not going to understand. So we're trying to make this palatable for you, but also understand that like, we didn't go to school to be dietitians, to not know the science and, and not care about nutrition, which I think is what a lot of the intuitive eating space on social media makes it seem like, because it's like everybody with their pizza and their donuts and like eating ice cream. It's like, yeah, we do that, but we also care about nutrition. <laughs> right. Right. Like we can normalize those foods that I don't know that, that a, a lot of times are off limits or, or people label as bad, but mm-hmm. also I think, you know, we can also normalize nutrition and engaging with that in a flexible way. Yeah. yeah. Do you also think it can be part of body appreciation? Like these foods break down into teeny tiny parts and then like become our hair and our heart and our, like, it's the coolest freaking thing. Like to be able to appreciate that and know what you're putting into your body does for you can have a neutral to positive connotation to it. It doesn't have to be negative and, and restrictive. Totally. Like I love to reframe gentle nutrition for my clients and talk a lot about like adequacy as an aspect of, of gentle nutrition. So I know like in my book, I have, and I have a blog post on this too, about um, like the hierarchy of nutrition needs and um, I have adequacy at the bottom. And so I think a lot of times, like 
we, you know, people feel like, oh, if I'm not, um, like I'm working on these other parts of intuitive eating and not gentle nutrition, but the most important aspect of nutrition is whether you're eating enough, because if you're not, you're not getting like, just like, I don't know, having a vitamin C deficiency is not going to be great. Like having a carbohydrate deficiency is not great for our health. Having a fat deficiency is not great for our health. Having an energy, a caloric deficiency is not not great for our health. And so it's almost like with intuitive eating, we're first kind of thinking about like the macro, you know, are we getting enough calories, fat, protein, carbohydrates? And then, you know, let's take that step down and talk a little bit more about the micro. (laughs) Yeah. The very thing that often gets demonized the most, like that visual, Rachel was brilliant putting adequacy at the bottom. I saw that. I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's really healing and powerful for people to see that because usually calories, fat, protein, carbs have all of these rules and regulations around Mm -hmm. them. And you're kind of saying like, what if we strove for enough at the base and then thought about other aspects? Right. And I think also macros has become such a like buzzy, trendy Mm. word as well. And like someone asked me yesterday in a group call, she's like, well, what is macro and micronutrients? She's like, I just like, don't get it. And I'm like, that is an amazing question. So macronutrients are like, what gives us the base of our nutrition? Like literally what our body needs to create cells and hair and nails. Like Like, they are the macro, the big picture energy that we need. Protein, carbs, fat, micro. Yes, we need them and we get them from (laughs) our macros and they, they do have a smaller job, but we focus on the macros because of that, because they are what, what create us and allow us to live. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. It's this like, you know, it's so funny because diet culture is oftentimes this, you know, I I talk about this with my clients and in the book, like, you know, it sort of frames nutrition as like, how can you eat the least amount physically possible without keeling over? And, (laughs) And yet you're like somehow supposed to be getting all these like, you know, but also you need your like fiber and vitamin, this and phytonutrient that I'm like, that's really hard to do. Like That's hard to meet your actual nutrient needs when you're restricting calories and, and fat and protein and carbs. So it really makes it easier for you to meet your micronutrient needs by eating enough. (laughs) How would you define gentle nutrition? So what would be a description of that for people who maybe don't know what it is? Yeah. So it's funny. I, um, I've shared this on other podcasts before, but when I first turned in the manuscript for my book, my editor was like, I think you need to like, actually like have a section where you like define gentle nutrition. I was like, oh my gosh, that's the hardest thing to do because there isn't like a simple, like a simple sentence definition of, of gentle nutrition. But uh, I suppose if you guys are going to make me try, we are. You do it. You know, it's really just like nutrition science without the rigid rules and and without like all the sort of weight stuff that <laughs> that you see. You know, gentle nutrition. When I talk with my clients in the book, it's very much like, what does nutrition look like when we're focused on just helping you sort of feel good, feel energetic day to day? Like when you're eating in a way that helps you physically feel good and and helps you mentally feel good. So you know, it's definitely 
definitely like a zoomed out look at nutrition. So it's not this like, you know, every single meal and every single snack, we have to be hyper-focused on it, but really it's, you know, what happens when we integrate nutrition into the pattern of our eating over time. Like when we zoom out and look, not just at the day, but look at the week, the month, the year, like what are, um, yeah. So it's, it's that, that big picture look. Yeah. And then it's really like just a positive way to view nutrition instead of focused on restriction and eliminating foods. We're focusing on adding foods in, adding new, adding nutrient rich foods in and yeah, the, the positive versus the subtraction. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And flexible, flexible, flexible. Yeah, yes, and flexible because it's different for every. Yeah, and thank you for adding that because that was, I think, the most important thing to add is that it's different for everyone. Like when someone has maybe a certain nutrition-related health diagnosis, or maybe for someone else, like nutrition just really isn't a priority or a top concern, and that's okay too. Nutrition for that person mm-hmm. might really, really different from someone who has, I don't know, type one diabetes, where maybe it does require a little bit more intensive or just more awareness of the foods that we're eating and and how we're eating. So yeah. I hear it like almost like the right and the left brain get to come together in this principle or, or under this definition. Don't ask me what side is the thinking and the feeling right or left. I always mix it up like truly, but no, I mean to say there is a thinking and a feeling side of all of us. That's yeah. what I mean. And with gentle nutrition, like your thinking and feeling side get to come together in a way that, that is maybe more balanced rather than, you know, when we're in dieting nutrition, it's like thinking, 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 like what you feel does not freaking matter. You're hungry. Doesn't matter. You're tired. Doesn't matter. Your craving doesn't matter. So I don't know. That feels so like exciting that there can be balance like that. Your culture doesn't matter. Yeah. Culture <laughs> out of here. Right. Totally. <laughs> It's like, you know, following these external rules about like what nutrition is supposed to be according to probably some like middle-aged white dude who's making a lot of money off of books. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not listening to yourself and, and paying attention to what feels good. I mean, we, if you think about just human beings and what's allowed us to, to live all over the world, it's because we can make a meal out of anything, you know, we live in many different food environments. So the idea that there's like one right yeah. way of eating or one set of rules that's going to apply to everyone is just kind of absurd. Yeah. 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 And I was like, actually last night in the same group conversation, we were just talking about just like the Latinx community and just how like there's the Caribbean, there's the South American part and how like when you look back through history, you see all of the ingredients from each land that were used. And then when trade started happening, when migration started happening, we start seeing all of our foods kind of like look alike and like defer and like the traditional dishes that are like very much the like dish of the country, like, you know, the the meal of the country looks different in a lot of places. But when you get down to the nitty gritty, we're all using a lot of the same ingredients, a lot of the same seasonings, because everybody was walking around, give bringing each other the stuff that they had from their land. And we were able to create all of these meals. And when we look at nutrition, we were able to survive and evolve as humans, because we were eating these foods that were giving us those macros and micros, right? (laughs) And just because you grew up or, or, you know, like, like you said, these white middle-aged men have this way of eating doesn't mean that it's right for you. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Where, well, we do know where they come from, usually from like 
very disordered ways of thinking, but mm-hmm. they, they're not taking us into consideration as a culture, I would say, right? Like when they're making their guidelines or their, the way that they're thinking, they're using stereotypes and or no knowledge at all to mm-hmm. recommend the things that they recommend to yeah. people of color. And then the flip side is that like, oh, anything but is not nutritious, yes. which isn't true. Yeah. As Rachel's mm-hmm. pointing out, like we're built to survive. We're going to figure it out. We're going to blend what we need to. Um, and it's so much more than one way. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting because I, I was thinking back to, it was a book I read ages ago and I can't, it was actually more, this was like, I mean, probably 15 years ago when I, or ooh, 20 years ago when I was in school to become a dietitian, I had to check myself there. But um, I just, it was something about fast food. And I remember them um, saying something about like, oh, when a country doesn't have like a food culture, there's more space for, for fast food to come in. And I actually sort of think about like, you know, in terms of like diet culture in sort of white America there, I think in many ways, there isn't as much of a cultural connection with food. And this Mm -hmm. is a blanket statement that isn't necessarily true for everyone, but as a generality. And I, but I think because there's been so much less of a connection with our, our, you know, with a a food culture that um, that's really created the space, like I mean, not so much with fast food for me, I think more with diet culture, Mm -hmm. where you know, there's this like lovely protection that when we have this cultural connection to a way of eating, that it can be this wonderful protective thing against, yeah, against diet culture. Yeah. Oh, that's so good because like diet culture, as shitty as it is, can bond people, right? Like we can have something in common. Like we're afraid of the same foods. We're tracking the same way. We talk and think the same way. And so that's such a great insight, Rachel, like in the absence of something that bonds us, like we're also mm-hmm. scrappy at that. We'll create it yeah. even if it's dysfunctional. <laughs> and that just goes to show you how important food is to culture mm-hmm. and identity and social feeling health. welcomed and social. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That was the word I was looking for. You got that, Melissa. I finished your sentences. Okay. Rachel, you're tapping on something though, that I think a lot of people get a little confused about when they step into intuitive eating. And that's how to measure your well-being, or like how do you know gentle nutrition is working if you have made the choice to not use the scale as your metric to say, oh, good job, bad job. And a lot of people miss that when they give up dieting. They want to know that they're, you know, on the right path. So how does gentle nutrition think about measuring success? Is it even part of the thinking? What is your take on that? Yeah. Well, what I always say is that, you know, we get to define what health means to us. You know, what, what I define as health. (laughs) We're dancing. We're dancing. (laughs) Yeah. I can't see that on the podcast, maybe, (laughs) but um, yeah, you know, you get to define what healthy is for you and it really is not one, you know, certain kind of right way of measuring it, but, you know, things like, how are you just kind of physically feeling day to day? Maybe certain lab values that you're trying to be mindful or aware of high cholesterol runs in my family, no matter how I eat, I will always have high cholesterol. Cause Oh my just, God, me too. Rachel, I talk about this in my groups all the time. Yeah, it's just like, it's just who we are. I was born that way. Like, yeah. Like I will always have high cholesterol and I want to be slightly aware of that because I mean, thankfully we don't have a major family history of um, heart disease, but 
being a human being with anxiety, I do tend to get a little health anxiety. So I want to be like mindful of that. And that might be something that I'm looking at, you know, things like for people who are, you know, athletes or even just, you know, doing active pursuits day to day, like hiking or just fun things. Like, do you have the energy to do the things that you like to do? Of course, mental, your mental health around food, like we put so much emphasis on physical health, but, you know, even if you had, I don't know if there was some sort of like prick your finger and you get a print out and get a drop of blood and, you know, exactly the air quote, like right way of eating for your physical health. Like, I don't know if that, that just sounds really stressful. If they do it, they do it. Yeah. Like companies that do this. Yeah. And they're, they're total BS. Like, Like if we had, like, even if we had like one that was actual, like, you know, for real, for real, like we knew 100% without a doubt that still doesn't honor your mental health. Like that, if that's a stressful way of eating, then I don't know how it's really healthy. Yeah. And I would like to point out that like, there's ranges for these numbers for a reason. So you and I have a genetic predisposition to make more cholesterol like it's genetic. And so therefore our cholesterol, when we get lab work probably is slightly high, not to the point where they're like, you need medication, but like, no matter what we do, it is slightly elevated and we monitor it. We monitor it because we know that it's genetic and we know that there's obviously things that we can add to our nutrition. There's healthy behaviors that we can do that can keep it at bay but it doesn't define every single aspect of our life. Like it is genetic and it is what it is. And I think that to me, that's what gentle nutrition is as well. Like it's understanding that there's ranges, there's genetics, there's like so much mm-hmm. <laughs> that goes into it. That it's not just. And you get to choose the priority of what that is in your life. Like for many of you listening, you've been dieting for years and years and years And the choice you may choose to make is that my mental health is more important at this season in my life than my physical health. And for many people, that prioritization can be a really important path to like landing into gentle nutrition because it's really hard to back into this and prioritize it again if you've never had the chance to look at your mental health and what that means to you. So it's all about what you want. Right, right. You have your entire life to like, I don't know, eat cauliflower, broccoli or whatever it is. It's vegetables aren't go. And of course I caveat of that gentle nutrition isn't just about like vegetables and fruit. (laughs) That's not, not all of it, but yeah, I mean, there, you've got the rest of your life to make changes to the way that you're eating. So let's, let's focus on healing your relationship with food now. And if you have to put a more intentional awareness of, of nutrition on the back burner a bit, that's okay. Yep. Can always come back. Yep. Seasons change, priorities changed. Truly the things I cared about 10 years ago are wildly different than the things I care about now. Health follows suit in that. So I'll let you all do your own math with your life. And your needs will change as you grow Mm -hmm. and you evolve. And so like what you learn in gentle nutrition and what you want in this season of your life and what you need will also change as you get older. So it's like, that's the whole point of intuitive eating to understand it so well that you can evolve and grow with it. We joked once about my crickety knees when I stand up and sit down. Another, another thing that happens is like my digestion is changing. So, okay. I joke all the time, like my mother, my grandmother, older women in my life would always like, oh, the Ajita, oh, oh, my, oh. and I'd be like, oh, they always complain. And now I'm like, oh dear, that was a real experience. And my genetics are manifesting as yeah. I speak. 
Yeah. It it's fun when you realize you're uh, related to your family. That's always yeah. a conversation. <laughs> That's like a whole therapy session. <laughs> I'm related to my family. Help me unpack that. So true. Okay. We've got one more question for you. This one I feel like is the hot ticket question. It's about meal planning. I feel like diet culture has ruined meal planning for so hijacked many people. It. Like hijacked it. Hijacked it. It conjures up images of like clear plastic containers of uniform size stacked up in the fridge, measuring <laughs> cups, <laughs> recipes that taste like garbage that you're eating while the rest of your family enjoys yeah. normal quote normal food. What do we do if we have been through the ringer with meal planning? How do you approach meal planning under the gentle nutrition lens? Yeah. So I, I try to reframe meal planning as, um, what I like to call meal preparedness, which is I know, very similar, but a little bit different. You know, I, I focus on meal preparedness more as how can we be prepared with whatever we need to be able to access like satisfying meals, tasty, satisfying meals that, you know, that just are, you know, what, don't always have to be exactly the thing that you want to eat in the moment, but make it easy for you to feed yourself. So um, what that means is like, you know, making sure you're like going to the grocery store and that you have like food in your house. I can't tell you how many, and I'm sure you guys see this too with like your clients where, mm-hmm. you know, when you get to that, you know, those days where you run out of your, your sort of groceries and it's just like the last step that you're trying to use up, like it just makes decisions making around food really stressful. You know, how can we have, maybe that's having ingredients to prepare something that you really enjoy that's simple to put together. Maybe for some people in just like their season of life, what they've got going on, maybe it does look like making something like a big batch meal that you have, you know, I'll, um, you know, I'll package together because that makes your, you know, makes lunch simple for you during the week, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. So really just reframing it towards having the things you need to make food easier and more accessible to you. Love that. Like setting up an environment where you can choose the things that you want and that you value with a little less effort, maybe. Exactly. Exactly. Like when you're hungry and you're making a decision about what you want to eat, that decision-making process is going to be so stressful. Um, you know, it just any decision that you make when your brain and like your blood sugar is low is always going to be much harder, but yeah, I mean, it's just doing a little bit of that preparedness, a little bit of the thinking in advance so that you have some flexible options. For me, something that really helps is like getting the ingredients to to like cook a few meals each week, but also I love to, you know, I know the plate. Well, now I'm learning the places in Boston that are near me that are like easily easy and walkable and enjoyable and all the fun little like na- neighborhood places. Oh, that we I- have to trade notes after right, right, right. Gonna, I'm going to bring you over to FOMO. the <laughs> FOMO. <laughs> but also too, like having things like frozen food, um, you know, having a frozen pizza and that's like available to whip up, you know, having things that are little pantry meals that you can throw together, having eggs and toast and whatever. So yeah. Rachel, I got to say you make beautiful food um, yeah. on your stories. You periodically yeah. put up images of these beautiful recipes. And I love that you have kind of introduced some of that because many times we do get into ruts and we need Mm -hmm. inspiration. So even if you're not following it to a T, it's like, oh, that looks interesting. Like it's inspiring to see those things. Yeah. Thank you. And I like to also tell, you know, my chulas that like, 
ordering out or like getting a frozen meal, like it's a great way to try new cuisine. It's a great way to try a vegetable in a traditional way. It's a great way to just learn your food preferences Mm -hmm. because so often everything is healthifying meals, like add this to this, substitute this for that. Like, no, like cauliflower, for instance, Melissa, like with your client, like Mm -hmm. she loves cauliflower. We don't have to be afraid to eat it. Like I get that point, but also like it doesn't, it's not right. 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 (laughs) So eat it as cauliflower. (laughs) Well, the whole curiosity and like having some adventure with food can feel really good. Yes. And like a frozen meal is perfect for that because it's inexpensive. It's quick. So if you want to experiment, frozen meals are an amazing way for you to see what you like. Going to a restaurant is a great way to see what you like. You don't have to make a whole batch for a week and then be like, oh shit, this tasted nasty. And now what am I going to do with it? <laughs> it's a very sad garbage pail moment uh, after that. Worst. Yeah. I, mean, I yeah. love that. Like there's a, so I, I like, I knew nothing about, like, I feel like me and me and my husband are pretty like adventurous eaters. We always travel a lot and I never had tried Cape Verde cuisine. And there's a place that's like two blocks from our house. Um, that's become like our new favorite that we like walk over to it. And like, we don't know what anything is. So we've started like asking, we're like the first time we went, we're like, uh, let's just like point at a bunch of stuff that looks like tasty. <laughs> but like now we're starting to learn about Cape Verde cuisine and I love it. And it's such a fun, like just adventurous. And I don't even know if it adventurous is like the right word. Cause that seems sort of silly, but just, yeah, it just really, it, it, it's exciting. I think is what I'm trying to say. It makes like food a lot more exciting and interesting. And yeah. And I, I, I just think like you were saying, um, frozen meals are really accessible. Like it might not always be the, you know, air quote, like the best version of whatever, but I don't know, just like different flavor profiles that you're getting used gives you a little dabble. It's like the hop on, hop off bus tour. You get a little moment, you can go to the next one. We don't have to, we don't have to stick around. Right. And you know what something is like when you see it on a menu somewhere, like if there was yeah. like, like Cape Verde frozen meals, I might like not have just been doing that awkward. Ah, uh, that looks good. That looks good. Uh. <laughs> so. And look like another thing that sometimes people feel lost around when they stop dieting is like the newness and the novelty when you get a new plan and it's exciting and we all have a need for newness and excitement. That's human. And so I encourage all of you guys to be thinking about what are ways I can have that feeling again in a new positive lens now that I'm in intuitive eating. And Rachel, that's like a great role model. Like people need to be Googling their local spots and, and testing out what's out, what's out there. I love it. I appreciate you saying that about sharing. Cause I, I went, you know, especially in the book with the recipes, I kind of went back and forth and over thought a lot about including recipes that I really wanted at the end of the day to, you know, show people like, here's ways that you can integrate nutrition in a really gentle way and still like have satisfaction and taste as like number one, and then maybe integrate some nutrition in. And so, so that's what I try to do. Like whenever I think it's great. And you're helping people's brains see that same piece of media in a totally new way. And that's really what the freedom is, is like, look, scales and recipes and plastic containers can be neutral. Those things can mean Mm -hmm. nothing to you someday. Can you imagine not having those things hold you in and be the center point of your life? And Rachel, I think it just gives such a a nice destination for people in your book. So I love and thank you for for contributing that to our space. Absolutely. I I really appreciate that. That really means a lot. (laughs) 
do you have one takeaway? Um, and this is like such a jerk question to ask. Like, hey, like we're just, we just got through saying like, I can't post in 2000 characters. And then I'm like, hey, Rachel, how's about you give us a one-liner? <laughs> maybe maybe I'll, 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 I'll lower the scope a little bit from this conversation. What was maybe the takeaway from this conversation or the thing that really stuck with you having gone through your gentle nutrition work? No, I'm actually going to feed it, answer your first question. Not even like, what would I add? Cause I do have a one-liner. <laughs> Love it. I've been asked that enough and now I'm prepared. Um, well, poor Rachel. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I want to show up. I'm very rarely um, prepared for something. So I want to show it off. No, I, I think I always joke that like the thesis of my book is if you want to, you know, if you want to eat a, a bit healthier, like you have to chill out about nutrition a little bit. And I think that is really a takeaway from, you know, not just this conversation, but hopefully my work is that like, it's okay to want to, you know, eat a little bit healthier, but also when we look at nutrition as the end all be all of health, that really does a disservice to it. I mean, we're all dietitians, so I don't want to downplay our role in healthcare, but like, I don't know, it just sort of seems to me if we put food and nutrition is like the number one thing. It's kind of like a, I don't know, like a cardiologist saying like, oh, cardiology is like the most important part of, you know, of, of health and like turning their nose up at like all the, I don't know, like the kidney doctors and gastroenterologists, the, the podiatrists, you know, of the world, which, you know, which, cause you know, if you have a foot problem, like that's your most important, <laughs> that's your person. So. <laughs> so that is my that is my my little saying. <laughs> All right. Um, if you've only gotten to this part of the podcast, chill out. Thank you. And <laughs> end of episode. End of episode. <laughs> That's the destination. We all know the process to getting there is hard work. And so I appreciate anyone out there doing it. I work on chilling out constantly. So that, that I'll just take that advice for free. Thank you. (laughs) Rachel, I'm so excited. We have you up here in Boston. Now I hope we get to meet IRL sometime soon. And I want to thank you for spending time with us. Can you tell us where our listeners can find you? Yeah. So you can connect with me on my website, um, rachelhartleynutrition.com and Rachel is spelled A-E-L. So R-E-C-H-A-E-L. And um, yeah. And then on Instagram, I'm pretty active on there at, oh my gosh, what is my handle? Oh, it's at Rachel Hartley RD. (laughs) It's your name. And so we are going to be sure to um, tag Rachel in the show notes, as well as in our posts on at break the diet pod, Instagram, Thank you so much for being here today. Make sure you grab Rachel's book if you have not yet. I think it's such a great way to model what gentle nutrition can look like in your life. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. We have completed the intuitive eating series. We have talked about all of the principles. We landed on nutrition. I'm so excited to have offered this to everybody. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's just, we had to do it in a way because like, we kind of like, didn't do it at the beginning. <laughs> we should have started here. Boom, done. Here we are. Just, you know? And so many people are like, I still don't understand what this is. <laughs> we're like from the top, back to the top. <laughs> okay. So rewind, sure. but we're here and we did it. And Rachel was amazing. I forgot to tell you after the recording, she reached out and invited me to swing by her place. And she made a delicious what she called a low country How boil. There you do. I know. How oh my dare god. You do. And why would you tell me this as we're recording this? <laughs> Delina, you live in Philly. 
if I am very upset that you just sprung this on me <laughs> look but this is the thing we had our good times okay. she made delicious food and I'm just sharing this to reinforce okay. her book and yeah. her ability to put food together I got to try yeah. it firsthand it was a very fun time and we got to talk about we got to talk about our reunion so that the gang can all get together the anti-dietitian mm-hmm. friends IRL yeah. is important it is important I miss people I do too. I do too, which was such a joy to have a Boston dietitian friend. It's so great. But I want you to know, listen to me. You are still my main squeeze. You are I don't still- want to hear that no more. I am very upset right now. Guys, she's like, stay in the house. No other friends. <laughs> too funny. We will have our time. We got to get a conference going or something. We need to like, we need, I want to learn some more. I want to learn so we can keep sharing what we know with our listeners here to give them the very best of the intuitive eating world. I just want a hotel and a nice bed. <laughs> like I, I just want to jump on me. <laughs> in room service. <laughs> like that's what I aspire to when I go to conferences. <laughs> I'm a nerd. I like learning. <laughs> I'm like, then, I like learning, but. <laughs> and then I like, hang, like hanging out afterwards. But no, getting <laughs> yeah, the getting food yeah. together is the best part. Yeah, yeah. That For is sure. the best part. The eating at the nutrition conferences is always on point. It was a good time. Yeah. It'll come back someday. It'll come back someday. <laughs> I really liked doing this series. This episode was super fun and got the wheels turning on nutrition. Not taboo to talk about it in intuitive no, eating. No, it is I not. I think at this point, we're going to switch gears. Our final two episodes, we'll talk a little bit more about our personal takes on food freedom. We'll be diving into that. If you are liking what you're hearing and it's helpful, leave us an honest review. We want to know what you're thinking of these episodes and we'll look forward to seeing you on Instagram just like we found each other. Yes. Peace, love, and break the diet cycle.